Welcome to KC Corner, episode 50. 5 Brooksy. The big half century. We That's did incredible. <laughs> this is kind of like the, the year anniversary. 52 is like a weird number. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Weeks, so I think 50 is the 50. anniversary. 50. It makes me think of, you know, people who are in their 50s are old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I couldn't imagine. They, there's no way they can play hockey with an over 35. Team. No way. There's it's no so way true. they can get out oh, there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the haters would be pissed. They would be, for sure. <laughs> so, marriage this past week. You know, it was good. I'm a single guy, so I could just take it off and didn't even have to listen. Oh, quit it. <laughs> hey, you know, and that's one of my goals, really. Anytime you talk about marriage is the reality that it is for everybody because why marriage is God's idea and the entire Bible is really set up in a way that tells us that God loves us in the language of marriage. I mean, again, I've, I've said so many times that the Bible begins with a wedding and ends with a wedding feast. And as he thinks about how much he loves us, he calls us his bride. And when he talks about our sinfulness and, and running away from him, he calls it adultery. So really, you don't get a pass here, Brooks. It's <laughs> true of you. It's true of me. And everyone, no matter if we're single or married, we're called into God's love story. And really what I meant to say last week is you look at the Proverbs and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. It's the beginning of all knowledge. How do we bring that fear of the Lord, that reverence, that love, that that affectionate like uh, embracing of who he is into the reality of marriage? And we live in a time, Brooks, it's so clear where marriage has changed drastically in our culture. Um, you know, what? who's to be married? Uh, uh, how does that look? Uh, families have completely changed of the nuclear family that I grew up with. But forget culture for just a minute. What does the Bible say? And I think this is going to be one of those areas, Brooks, where the church standing um, for on God's word and under the authority of God's word, we're probably going to get to the spot where our view on culture, uh, our view on marriage is going to get so far distant from what the culture views on marriage. But let's go back and say, if we really have the fear of the Lord, if we if we think that this is something that he created for his glory. You know, how do we honor marriage as in, in the marriage, uh, those of us who are married, uh, or even as singles, you know, what does that look like for all of us? And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is, where do you find yourself in the story um, as, as a single person? Um, I often have found that single people think, well, I'm going to be more complete when I am married. And there's certainly a blessing to it, but there's only a completeness that God could give us and that we all need. And how does our love story tell his love story? You know, as somebody who's officiated weddings, Brooks, it's interesting. You know, you look at these, usually you'll sit right here in front of me as we have uh, um, a little bit of marriage counseling and they're all starry eyed and they all this is they're they're starting on a journey. They just are so excited. And you kind of want to remind them, by the way, half the journey, uh, journey sink, you know, you know, half of them crash on the rock. So how do you keep that? I mean, two broken people trying to become one is not easy. And the only way you do that is the gospel. And the only way that you do that is you're filled up with Christ so you can give to the other one. But, you know, and just a reminder that, uh, a love story of a man and a woman that's not tethered to a love story with God, it's eventually going to be wiped away. And so, you know, the, what I really meant to say was, you know, how do we find ourselves in God's love story? How do we tell his love story? How do we honor marriage, the gift he gave us as a single or married? 
um, that really tells his story. Mm-hmm. I think you kind of talked about it. I forget if it was last week or two weeks ago. Um, like tithing is for his glory, and then marriage also being for his glory. So it's just a different worldview of you know uh, secular people thinking like this person completes me. We love each other. All this like marriage story and tithing both are for his glory. It all is. You know, I love what Paul will say. Uh, I think it's Corinthians. He says, you know, whether you eat or drink, do for the glory of God. I mean, something as mundane mm-hmm. as eating and drinking. I mm-hmm. mean, he wants all of our life. Uh, what is the chief end of man? The Westminster Confession, question number one, is to glorify God, enjoy him forever. So, yeah, you know, most people don't think about their marriage as something that um, is to bring God glory. I, I often say, I think I always say when I'm uh, officiating a wedding, hey, God has created you, Brooks, in his image to bring him glory. But he also brings together Katie and me and others to bring him glory, too. So whether we're one um, individual or we are one in Christ in marriage. Mm-hmm. All to bring him glory. All to bring him glory. All to tell him his love story. So how do you follow up this week's with uh, after marriage and sex? <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's a hard one to follow up for sure. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about uh, what the proverb says about the tongue, about using our words and the fear of the Lord. And, you know, again, one of those convicting things for me because the proverbs, one of the things it says is, if you have a lot of words, you're going to sin. You know, you know, if, if if you use a lot of words, be careful. It's mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's good to restrain the tongue and restrain your words. And I'm a guy who just speaks first <laughs> and thinks later. It's like, oh man, I can't get that back. But you know, again, we my goal is to link in. How does the fear of the Lord help us when it comes to uh, our tongue and it's far, it's our language? As far as how are we using it? How does the gospel impact that and you go to the new testament and the book of james is going to make it clear that the tongue although it's a small little thing man it could start a huge forest fire and it could sink ships i mean it's it's so powerful and who can control it um and i think the only way we do is through the holy spirit but i i hope on sunday the point will be are we using our words to build up or are we using them to tear down and you know um i think the words are, are the byproduct of the heart and, you know, what, what is there that will uh, allow you to build up and not tear down. So that's... That's, that's how you're following it up. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, going back to our homework now. Yeah. Moving along, chapter six. Transforming, Transforming grace. grace. You know, it's, it's, uh, it was this chapter, the first time I read it, that really had one of the most profound impacts on my life. I and mean, I know that that's a big statement, but, um, you know, I had rid, rid, uh, written, written, I had written, I, re- I wrote all of Jerry Bridges' books. <laughs> I had read um, some other of his books uh, before this one, like The Pursuit of Holiness. I think it's The Discipline of Godliness. And, and they were, uh, I think I've said before, they were like Christianity on steroids. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that was like, you know, get in the gym and, and, you know, work hard. And, and then you get to this transforming grace book where um, you realize that Bridges had a grace awakening of sorts. And I think even in this chapter, he called himself a legalist at one time. Um, but I remember reading this and thinking, wow, um, compelled by love. And that compelled by love has really captured my heart and it still captures my heart. And uh, I just love it. You know, early on, he, he says something that I I want to just even read. Um, It says this, you are loved and accepted by God through the merits of Jesus, and you are blessed by God through the merit of Jesus. Nothing you ever do will cause him to love you any more or any less. 
He loves you strictly by his grace given to you through Jesus. And that's just so beautiful, the gospel. And, you know, in this book, he will say, well, if it's true, if you really preach the gospel and the truth of the gospel, won't people say, well, what happens then? I mean, are we going to sin more? I mean, shouldn't we, does it matter what we do? If it's true that it's all on God's grace, it's not about our works, what's going to happen? And uh, the apostle Paul does a great job. He deals with that in Romans 6. Uh, that whole chapter is really kind of dedicated. Uh, should we continue to sin? Uh, so grace abounds more, sin more, so grace abounds more. And heaven forbid, uh, the Greek word is meganeto, is the, uh, may it never be. Um, but, you know, I, I love also in this chapter, he says, um, if you're really preaching the gospel, people will start accusing you of like, you know, wow, um, you know, it, it sounds too good. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you're, you're letting people off the hook. And, and uh, that was good for me as a preacher. Am I hearing enough like, wow, you know, you're really, th- this grace thing is incredible. Mm-hmm. But he's he deals with this, Brooks, about, you know, being afraid of this kind of the doctrine of grace. And I, that's where I want to talk about this morning because I I was afraid of this doctrine of grace personally because I I came to the mindset and it's a little bit different than what Bridges says. I came to the mindset that you know if if it's all about grace, um, uh, you know I'm not sure I'll be motivated to live for Him. Now some people say if it's all about grace, I can I can get away with murder, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I don't mean it to sound like I'm more pious than them, but. I think that my desire was to pursue holiness, so I felt better about myself, and I felt like I needed I needed uh, uh, basically um, uh, motivation of the law. I needed guilt to motivate me. I needed something like that. Um, if it's all about grace, I'm not sure that I'm going to have the motivation I needed, and I felt like I needed to have the law and guilt to be something that would spur me on and push me forward. And here's here's the point. When I realized that compelled by love should be our motivation, it's not something that pushes me forward. It's something that compels me onward. Mm-hmm. And so instead of being pushed from behind um, and, you know, kind of reluctantly, I'm being drawn forward by love. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what a difference is. And Bridge does Bridges does a great job with like our motivation, you know, and I think even in this, uh, I remember how how it struck me that God cares as much about our motivation as He does our performance. Mm-hmm. And you want to say that can't be true? I mean, He can't be as concerned about why we do things. And uh, I think He was quoting, I was I'm not Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones, but uh, and this is my words paraphrase. We got to do the right things for the right reasons, desiring the right outcome, and so. Uh, you think of the Pharisees in the Bible. They did a lot of right things. Um, when Jesus confronted them, he said, look at them. They're like, like they're so meticulous that they're actually tithing their dill and their mint. I mean, they've gotten down to their herbs and they're making sure that everything is done right. And he says, but they're far from me. You know, they, their lips worship me, but their heart is far from me. And he goes on to say, listen, you should do what they do, but you should do it with a different motivation. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'll go on to call them a brood of vipers and, and a lot, you know, whitewashed tombs. So their motivation was wrong. And Jesus really got in their face about it. And you realize it's compelled by love. And mm-hmm. so may the love of Christ 
uh, you know, compel us. So uh, may we respond out of gratitude, not duty. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what a difference. Yeah, and he also talked about how we do a good job explaining this and talking about grace to the non-Christians, but then he had the quote of, we preach grace to the non-Christian, but duty to the Christian. Yeah. So sometimes (laughs) when you're kind of, quote unquote, made it as a Christian and you are a Christian, sometimes you think of it as a duty and you lose that sense of grace and just love overall. Yeah, you know, he talks about the gift of salvation and the cost of discipleship, which Mm -hmm. there is a cost of discipleship, but I I lived that way for a while, Brooks. I lived the way of... uh, you know, you're saved by God's grace, but man, you work like heck to keep it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there is a, uh, there is that sense. And so, and I, and I do believe that morning by morning, new mercies we see, and it's almost like we have to have a grace awakening every day <laughs> because we fall into these bad patterns of, of just trying to earn it and, uh, and not living out of grace. And even when he turns like this chapter, he talks about Romans 12, one, and you know, Romans 1 through 11 has all this phenomenal theology. And then Romans 12 is going to tell us that we should be presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's a big response. But he does it, he says, in light of God's mercy, mm-hmm. in light of God's grace and mercy, and in, in response to the mercy of God. He doesn't say in response to the law of God or the character of God or the fear of hell. He's like, in light of the God who's this good this gracious, this loving, respond. And uh, wow, what, what, what a great way to respond. I just think that that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And we need that grace reminder every day. I mean, is this second, third time you've kind of read through this book and grace yeah. reminders are always good. Uh, they're always good, man. <laughs> and the love of Christ compels us. I remember for a long time on my computer, I had, I actually made three by five cards. I had them all over the place. I had them in my, <laughs> my computer, I had them in my car. May the love of Christ compel me. Even mm-hmm. as a pastor, I mean, I'm not doing this although I often fall into that trap for the approval of men. I'm not doing this to earn something. I'm really here to respond to the love of Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's good stuff, Brooksy. It's great stuff. Great yeah. stuff. So, any King's Chapel updates before we head out? Yeah, you know, first of all, it's it's Wednesday, um, and it's uh, the 20th of January. It is. And yeah. on Friday the 22nd, we're going to have our next KC Family Connection dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's a little bit of a smaller group this, this time. And if anybody's out there listening in the Orlando area and you want to uh, come to this and hear more about King's Chapel, we would love to have you. Uh, Pastor Jeff at kingschapelfl.com. I'll get you signed up. Um, also, we had a great work day this last Sunday, and I'm so excited. We cleared out the old playground. We're getting ready mm-hmm. for the new, and um, we'll, we'll be hopefully uh, getting that in the coming weeks and putting that in, which will be exciting. We got some new members who will be joining us on the 31st. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, Brooks, I know your KC group started last week, and yeah. I know you're, you're like... Where's the material? So um, I wish I could have recorded the phone call I had yesterday with Federal Express. It was, it, it was and again, wow, I, you called them by their full name. I know, I know. It's it's a FedEx. Exactly. Like saying their middle name. Yelling <laughs> your kid. It's like they're in trouble. Yeah. You know. So, uh, but I called them because I I saw that my shipment went to the Orlando FedEx station and on the 9th of January and it stopped mm-hmm. and I kept on checking it so I finally I was like called them like what's going on and I'm not kidding they said well since it's been a week and stop I can't tell you it was within the week I could tell you but after that you have to call the people that we ordered it from I'm like let me get this right mm-hmm. you can't help me because I'm you know a week later and so uh 
it seemed crazy. Um, but all that to say, I reordered um, through a Christian Bookstore, and they immediately sent it back out. So the supplies are coming tomorrow. Okay. I know that Hopefully messes it's up UPS your... dropping it off this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, FedEx exactly. Express. What in the world? <laughs> I do think it's FedEx next day, to be honest with you, but we'll see. <laughs> so next week, we'll be able to have those materials next week. start back up. Yeah, which will be great. And you and I, you know, we're already experts because we've already done product Yeah, no, we already so. know everything. So we, we just kind of like bless everyone with our knowledge. <laughs> exactly. Tim Keller's calling us, asking us what we think. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great place to end uh, and see everyone. It's Sunday. Yeah, we'll see you Sunday. Um, God is is working at King's Chapel, and what a joy it is to be a part of it. And Brooks, you're doing a great job. Thanks for journeying with us. Co-host right here. Hey, that's best, awesome. Best show in America. Amen. <laughs>